Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. We're the banters as ferocious as Kyle Kuzma's outfit at Fashion Week this week, man. <laughs> like puppy jackets. All I saw was a bunch of puppy jackets stitched together in like elephant trunks, waving around off his pants. Like Fashion Week is not for me, my friend. It is not for me. Bro, I do not understand Fashion Week. These people put on, like, the craziest outfits, and then they just call it fashion. Like, I don't know about you, but if I can't move my arms and my legs, I don't think that's actually clothing. I think that's a hindrance to life. So, but hey, call it fashion. I mean, lucky I wear, like, the same, like, six outfits. Maybe seven, if I'm lucky. I get one for every day of the week, honestly, at this point. we're, We're simple men over here, but... What an interesting thing to just see Kyle Kuzma doing his thing. Like, guy is enjoying the offseason. We're getting close, though. We're getting close. We're almost through, you know, the the dog days of summer. We're less than a month away of being able to constantly talk about different basketball games. And I can't wait for it, to be honest. Dude, I could not be more excited. I know, like, the NFL is back. I really should do a, a top 10, but... Hey man, whatever. We're we're here to talk about basketball solely now, which you know I kind of am enjoying. I, I really like the basketball conversations because even though it's been the dog days of summer with the Euro basketball, we have had quite a lot to talk about. So um, if you want, we can start there, man. All of our boys, like, what happened? They just it's, lose in the in the knockout uh, stage quarterfinals, like sad guys. day apparently. Honestly, you know, yeah, Jokic, no Giannis, no Luca, no wow. Jokic. They're all gone. It's over. We're into the semifinals now. We're cheering for Schroeder and Wagner versus Rubio in Spain. And then on the other side, we've got Poland with a team I don't think I can pronounce any of their names. And I don't know any of them against, you know, Rudy Gobert and Franz we- and uh, Evan Fournier. So, like, this is what we got left in this pretty amazing tournament at this point. Yeah, I know. It was, it was a fabulous tournament, man. It just really didn't end the way that anybody wanted to see. I mean, like, Luca getting ejected for, I guess, a hard foul. Yeah. Um, it's kind of sad. But, hey, hey, it is what it is, man. Um, good luck to the teams that are left. But now I'm, I'm going to stop watching because my favorite players are gone. It's kind of crazy to think that I bet you a lot of viewership will drop. And also, unless you were specifically rooting for these four teams left because you're a national like person of them you probably lost a lot of money because i bet you people were betting on Giannis and luka and Jokic to at least get to the semis for sure oh 100 percent man that they would not have like in the quarterfinals yeah you would have found no better willing to take somebody against serbia against uh the slovenians or against greece man like it just would have been so hard to do but hey it is what it is. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have taken. I think we got ousted by what Brazil at the at the um, FIBA America Cup. Yeah. Like I would have taken Canada over Brazil, but hey, Brazil man knocked us out. I mean, this is also a classic example um, where it's hard to just be you know a NBA star join this these teams and play this different style of ball as well, right? You know, Rico Bear is super successful when it comes to knockout games in, in Euro basketball, but it's a different story in the NBA, right? So you have to think about, like, I, I make a joke about Poland and how I don't know them, but those guys know each other really well because they play a ton as a team. So on the one hand, you're right, you know, nobody expects this, but, you know, our circle, our bubbles, you know, we don't experience the same things that other people do. So there might be a minority of people who expected it. And so hopefully they enjoy, you know, the rest of this tournament. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so it's in like, you know, people enjoy the America Cup tournament. Uh, it's always nice to, to have these kind of international games going on right before the season. 
Um, it really distracts from like some of the negative things that are going on in the NBA world. And unfortunately, we've got two of those things this past week, man. Um, one from a, a player and one from an owner. Which one do you want to start with? I mean, let's get let's get Ant out of the way. You know, Anthony Edwards making some poor decisions. I don't know if he's drinking late on a night, posting all the wrong kinds of video to his live, making some poor choices. And then, I mean, I don't know about you, but his his response was a very PR statement style. So it's going to be interesting to see where the rest of this story goes. Yeah, I I think you know he'll probably get like disciplined a little bit. There'll probably be some fine levied. Um, it's just unfortunate that he made that error and that. People still use that type of language out there. Like it's just, it's just unfortunate. Um, but hey, man, like it is what it is. He did what he did, and like to post it on such a public platform, like is he was definitely like you said, like might have been drinking a little bit, might have been having a little bit too much fun, um, and not realizing what he was actually doing. But still, gotta discipline the man because that is not okay. Well, hopefully it's a lesson learned, right, for, for players, and especially young players around the league. Like, we can't be having this. This is not good. Uh, and regardless of, you know, whether it comes from a bad place or not, you know, because we switched things over to the, the Sarver situation with the Suns, you know, this guy who, by all accounts, is not a good human being is going to be banned from the league for a year, you know, gets a $10 million fine, a nice slap on the wrist. But in my opinion and my hopes is that the fallout and the public outcry that is starting to be seen everywhere will lead to real repercussions for this man. Because as a lot of people have stated, what happened was probably not enough. Yeah, I, I, I think it's so so tough because I feel like everybody knows that he's not a great guy. Everybody knows that he has um, some issues with his past and with um, the way he views the world. So they were expecting like the, you know, uh, Donald Sterling, strip him of the team, kick him out of the league kind of treatment. But because they don't actually have a voice recording of him or emails or whatever, they don't actually have the actual proof. Um, it's hard to kick him out of the league because you got to think about those owners. They're not going to vote to vote him out when there's no concrete evidence. Um, you and I were talking about it earlier. Like All of them probably have some things in their closet that they're trying to hide. And so if you can get kicked out for rumors, um, I'm sure none of them want that. Um, but yeah, he definitely should have been punished harder. I just, I find it, it's, it puts the league in a really tough place to do anything when they don't actually have that, that physical proof. And, and that's why I said that there's hopefully future fallout that comes out of it, right? And I'm, I'm totally of the camp that knows that this is kind of what they could do. This was the extent of, you know, Silver and, and the NBA's power. For, for someone like this, as, as me and Matt were something earlier, they ain't voting him out. There's no way you're getting enough votes to get this guy out of the league when it comes to ownership. So, you know, if, if one sponsorship in a conversation with the Phoenix Suns goes, no, we won't work with you because of him. You know, if the media continues to slander him, if when you have players like Chris Paul coming out, you know, in, in the positions of power that he has, while also being a member of that team, making these comments, you know, hopefully through that fallout, there will be repercussions. But for now, this story is probably just going to get buried and, and put away, unfortunately. Absolutely, man. Um, I honestly don't see it going anywhere unless like the star players kind of band together and say, we're not playing in Phoenix. Um, and that way, it deters fans from wanting to come to the game and, and bring revenue. You know, if Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, CP3 sat out all of their home games and all of the stars that came into uh, you know, the Phoenix arena didn't play i'm sure that would that would create some buzz and some stir and that would probably be the best way 
for him to get out and definitely underscore the the need for him to leave. But I would have to agree with what you said, man. It's probably going to get buried short of, you know, anything like that happening. And so it's it's going to go by the wayside. He'll probably be back next year and, and everything will just be, you know, back to the status quo, which is just really sad, man. It's it's just the way that our world works, unfortunately. Billionaire is going to be billionaires. Well, let's move along away from this not-so-great conversation to a conversation about five other... Bi- no, we're not going to talk about the team owners. We're going to talk about five actual teams in the NBA, the players, the things that, you know, may be considered as assets to these teams, but are really what draws us as fans to the NBA, to watch these stars play the best basketball they can. This week, Matt, we're going along the Northwest, and stars galore? Maybe not in, in this type of division. Dude, um, I think there's one competent team in the entire division at the moment. Um, I think, like, you've got Denver and a bunch of kind of middling teams. Um, like, Portland thinks maybe we're going to retool and figure it out around around Damian Lillard. I mean, remember when they acquired Jer- or Jeremy Grant at the beginning of the offseason. Everyone was freaking out. Oh, Portland's actually going to be good. And then, like, the Christian Wood stuff happened. And then, like, the Donovan Mitchell trade happened. They were really good. Like, nobody cares about that trade anymore. Portland washed. OKC, without Chet Holmgren, are they even going to be interesting? Um, probably not. Utah, like, come on, Rebuild. <laughs> yeah. And then you got like Denver, who's competent and knows what they're doing, and, and Minnesota, who's putting together something who they they hope is going to be the first time in, what, 40 years that they're actually like decent in the top half of the Western Conference when it comes to playoffs? Like, no. It's just a collection Yikes. of teams. That's all it is at this point. You know, there's, there's a bunch of good players that kind of are, are spread around, right? And you, you have the Nuggets, who are just this close, and the T-Wolves, who are hopefully going to be this close. But besides that, everyone else is retooling. So, I mean, we could start at the top. We could start with the Nuggets and the T-Wolves. Those would be my two personal favorites to get out of the way. Well, buddy, I'm going to start with your absolute favorite player in Nikola Jokic. Um, I think Denver is a, a good place to start because at the end of the day, I think they're going to be the number one team in this division. Um, out of any team in this division, they definitely have the best shot to be in, in the number one spot in the West, top three spots in the West. The fact that they were, I think they were what, uh, fifth or sixth last year? I think they were sixth last Mm. year without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Getting those guys back this year is just going to be like money in the bank for them. And I honestly, I think that they're going to be probably, you know, I would say a 55 win team easily. I mean, I want to see success for this Nuggets team for so many reasons. Like obviously Jokic just had such an amazing few years for this team, regardless of the players around him and what he's had to struggle through, right? And last year's first-round playoff exit for these guys was tough. And it it hurt a lot of people, not even just Nuggets fans. You know, I think a lot of people wanted to see more for Jokic. We want to see more out of this MVP. And, you know, barring injuries, this year it's going to happen, man. The way this team is coming together, the players they have, like, you know, we, we talk about a player like KCP, who's a part of this roster now, who's going to love the open shots that he's going to get. I mean... My personal favorite reason why I want to see this team succeed, I want to see Ish Smith get a ring, get some success. This guy, ultimate journeyman, he's been on so many teams at this point in time. This would be such a good thing for him, but you're right. It really comes down to Michael Porter Jr., and it comes down to making sure that, you know, the Canadian Maple himself is also injury-free. Like, we have hopes to see success out of this roster this season. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And like they didn't lose anything major off the roster. I think DeMarcus Cousins, Austin Rivers are your are your biggest losses yeah. losses for Denver. And then like adding in like you say like you said, KCP and the second best player on the De- on the Brooklyn Nets last season in Bruce Brown. Yeah, that's like true. <laughs> the, you know, good ads. Um and they're gonna be they're gonna be feisty, man. Like they're gonna be a really solid team. Um I'm again. I thought they were going to make some noise last year before the injuries happened. So I would say that the, again, they're going to make some noise. And it's all about the playoffs for them, though, man. Like regular season success, success means nothing. Nikola Jokic winning another MVP means nothing. It's how far in the playoffs can we go? Can we get to the finals? Can we win this thing? Because like short of that, man, like they've done everything else. And and you've set me up here for what I want to say next because you know I look at this season for Jokic and this team as a redemption arc you know i think about you know what Giannis had to go through for example after his two mvp seasons right finally having it all come together and the thing that i really look for that is different than the milwaukee type of run it's coach malone honestly this guy is a championship level coach who can get them there and he's been doing it with one true superstar and a bunch of guys just coming in when they can so they stay healthy if they make it happen i'm excited to see how far this nugget squad is going to go yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, again, we I think we beat this one to the to the ground. It's health and playoffs, um, but they're a solid roster, man. Um, let's jump to the bottom of the conference. I'm actually going to say that it's still OKC, even though Utah has sold off Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I still think OKC is at the bottom of this thing. I like SGA. I like Lou Dortz. I really, really like Giddy, but. Losing Holmgren sucks, man. It makes me so disappointed for their season this year. It's back to the tank machine. It's crazy, you know, when I, every week I, I put together my little lists of who did this team add, who did they remove for themselves, and OKC has only added new draft players. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, wait, was that the same as last year? Because with Chet injured, it might be the same going into next year, you know? And we talk about Shea, how long can he hang out and be a part of this rebuild? Because... Honestly, the mental struggle of having to play season after season, knowing that you may not get 20 wins, it has to start to to break down certain people. And at the end of the day, yes, OKC has all these assets. Yes, they've got all these young guys. And this season with Chet was supposed to be the turnaround season, but all of that's gone now. It's all gone. I'm sorry to say. Like, we all have accepted that. It's all gone. And with... Shea only getting older like he's 24 now he's starting to hit his NBA prime like if he's not already hitting it right now this season like they've got to maximize on that if he's ever going to become the all-star level player that we all see him to be like I think a lot a lot of NBA people who and casual fans who even watch it know this guy has star power so it's just can you unlock it can he be part of the right team um I just don't see it in OKC, man. I just think that they're they're twiddling their thumbs out there. Um, you know, Sam Presti's earned some leeway because of the team that he did build with, you know, Kevin Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. But he should also be a little bit on the hot seat because he gave up Harden for, you know, like a bag of pillows. And, like, nobody's held him accountable for that. And so he's got to do something. This team was in the playoffs with Chris Paul a quarter away from knocking out the Rockets two seasons ago in the playoffs. So, like, 
the the tank just keeps going down and eventually you have to turn it around at, at this point fans can only enjoy so much like yes you can think to yourself cool i'm excited for this team but i'm not excited for them now i'm excited for them for five years from now six years from now seven years from now i mean time's gone pretty fast in the fast three in the past three years for me but i would not want to be sitting there going man i can't wait till i'm like 35 and my team is good like that's that's not it man that's not it and then also like they don't have a surefire like top 10 player on their team nope. and or like potential top 10 player like Chet Holmgren's supposed to be that type of player potentially but him losing a whole year of development and probably one of the most important years of development in terms of your NBA career arc is just brutal for me like it it tampens his ceiling it tampens their whole season expectations it was just a brutal loss and it kind of ended any kind of positive storyline that their season was going to have and at the end of the day they were 24 and, and 58 last year they're going to be 24 and 58 if not worse this year and you know you we in the eastern conference can look to teams like boston can look to teams like the 76ers who went through that rebuilding process who got their early draft picks you know i think about how you know joel lost that whole first year in philadelphia you know not directly through that injury but through a lot of things philadelphia has been struggling to get over the hump and Boston, while they also have struggled, they've succeeded a little bit more. And so OKC needs to figure out the right steps to take, the right directions, the right players to really, you know, hold on to, to be the Boston, not the Philly when it comes to five years from now. That, that's kind of the way that I'm seeing it. Man, Boston got lucky after they fleeced Brooklyn, man. They just used Brooklyn's picks. They never really bottomed out personally. And I think that's what has allowed them to be so competitive and to, to have that quick turnaround. I mean, like Jason Tatum in his rookie season was in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Yeah. Like they got they got their guy and they were immediately Eastern Conference Final ready. Whereas like, again, nobody on OKC is at Jason Tatum's level. Um, you know, maybe Shea could have been a little bit or even Josh Giddy, like right now as a rookie, if they had the pieces around him, yeah. may not have like as a score, but as like a type of player. Um, could have fit into a roster that pushes them to the Western Conference Finals, but they'd have to have a roster, man. They have nobody on that roster. Like, it is just, you know, a bunch of future flyers on players with, like, Lou Dortz. Like, that's their only veteran. Like, it's it's kind of sad. Matt, they literally took Jalen Williams 12, and then Jalen Williams, Williams 34th. Like, guys, I, I know, funny. Are what are you even doing? Yeah, are we just memeing in OKC now at this point? But you know, to the only serious things that I can think of about when it comes to this team is that hopefully, you know, they see development. Hopefully Josh Giddy really is going to break out, you know, from, from being an almost unknown Australian kid to now suddenly being maybe the main ball handler, especially if you trade Shea away. He definitely has the ball in his hands all the time. And... Definitely. Can that work out with their other young stars around them? Sorry, other young assets around them. None of these guys have really proven that they can be stars yet. So OKC is crazy to think still a long way, a long way from success. Oh, they are so far away, man. And all of those future draft picks are just, they're flyers, man. They're, they're absolutely nothing until they actually turn into players. And they haven't actually been able to produce players at a, at a rapid enough rate. And they're even taking like, you know, big swings in the later half of the first round, like Alex Pukashevsky or whatever his name is last year. Like he's actually kind of panned out a little bit, but again, it was a swing. It's a wild swing on a skinny, tall guy. So 
that's just kind of the, the territory that they're in. And Sam Presti, like I said at the beginning of this, has apparently earned enough leeway that he can do whatever he wants for the next five seasons. And it's all good in OKC. So, I mean, again, they'll be bad. They're just they're going to be the bottom of the Western Conference, probably the very last team in the, all of them, the NBA. Like Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, what could go wrong in the front court there? That's it, right? But honestly, I'm going to enjoy watching highlights from this team all season long. Unless they're playing the Raptors, I'm probably not going to watch any of these games. You know, maybe I'll tune into a fourth quarter if Josh Giddy has like 20, 15, and 14 or something, right? Just to see how it ends. But this team isn't exciting to watch. And, you know, I look at the other teams in this division that we haven't talked about yet with the Blazers, the Jazz, and the T-Wolves. While they're all in different situations, I'd rather watch Jazz games. I'd rather watch Blazers games when it comes to this. So, OKC really is the bottom of the barrel right now. Yeah, um, and if, if you're good to move on from them, man, I'd rather talk about Portland uh, because Minnesota's obviously trying to win. Utah's obviously trying to lose. Portland, I don't know what they're trying to do, man. I think they're trying to win, but I don't know if they understand where their roster is and adding jeremy grant while trading cj mccullum last year is got to be the most counterintuitive thing i've ever seen an nba team do in the last couple of years like is is there confusion because i can tell you one thing i know damian lillard wants to win and he's loyal to a fault <laughs> at this point so where will the blazers go are they gonna win 40 games like i think that they could I think if everyone stays healthy, and I think that Dame has the type of season that he wants to have, right? Like, they definitely can be a good team, but in this day and age, there's too many great teams in the NBA to be really competitive. You're, you're talking about, like, a 40-win season as their ceiling, man. Like, what are they doing? Why are they trading around trading futures for Jeremy Grant yeah. and giving away CJ McCollum when there's, like, oh, doesn't make any sense man why would you want like if your floor is 25 wins because you you have Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant and like enough players Yusuf Nurkic like and enough around them that you're gonna get to 25 wins but your ceiling is only 45 48 at most like your ceiling and you have no developmental in there like Anthony Simons but again I would take Gary Trent Jr. over Anthony Simons personally um like you're just you're wasting a year of of NBA basketball, man, of your franchise's history. Like it is a lost year. Either tank or start building your team to get to a point where it's developing. Like where maybe the 48 win ceiling is the ceiling this year, but you know if we did hit 48 next year, ceiling is like 68. You know because we, we've got that development doesn't seem to be the case i think i think the front office was really either hoping to maybe push damian lillard away to maybe get that trade to do it obviously they're really hoping that Shaden sharp can be something but i mean didn't he just have an injury that have to deal with something so he didn't play all year bro here we are so like <laughs> what, what are they gonna do at this point in time like the blazers have to figure it out now we haven't mentioned gary payton because they did add gary you know he is a championship player at this point in time okay he will be a good asset okay i'm trying here i'm trying to break something no, that's up. A fact. Sure. Thing, right? but, so the, the blazers are in a weird place there's there's no other way to say it they really are in the middle and i don't i don't know man 46 wins yeah sure 
50 wins if Damian Lillard puts up 40 a night maybe like that's the extremes that has to happen again though you're talking about something like out of the ordinary like out of this world he's gonna have to be the best scorer that we've ever seen better than prime Michael Jordan and their ceiling is still maybe 50 wins maybe if, if everything goes right and they're lucky and he's the greatest scorer ever in the history of any single season in NBA history like what what how about we how about we trade how about we don't trade for jeremy grant in the first place how we if we decide to trade cj mccollum we convince damian lillard that he needs to get traded and we take back a reduced package for him i don't need to maximize what i'm getting on damian lillard because i'm going to be so bad for the next five six years like i'm gonna be in the front half of the lottery trade yusuf nurkic bottom out and let's figure this thing out from the from the studs man because like when you have a piece as nice as uh damian lillard it's like buying like a a beat down old home with like this beautiful marble wall in the middle of it and it's like you want to open that wall up to make the home this beautiful open concept home but it's a marble wall do you really want to smash that like, do you really want to take it down? And that's where they are, man. They're in this decrepitated home, and they don't want to smash their marble wall. Just do it, because when you get to the finished product, it's going to be so much better than it. just having a marble wall. You know, the, you know the Simpsons meme where he, like, pulls all of his, his fat back and, like, ties it behind him? And there's just, yeah, that's what, Portland, that's what we're looking at right here. It's, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. And, I mean... <laughs> Maybe this season will say something, right? You know, if they do bottom out, if injuries affect them, maybe they're going to have something. Maybe they will be amazing. And you can bet on the fact that Damian Lillard is a 16-game player. Because he is a 16-game player, I think. I think Damian Lillard has that type of capabilities. He's shown in the playoffs that he can be a killer. But you need a couple 16-game players to actually win a championship. And uh, when I look down this roster, you know, Gary Payton, uh, he could be your fifth. 16 Bro, game you, player, but no. You gotta get to the playoffs, man. They're not getting to the playoffs. Like I I'll put money on it right now. Like, you know, Portland fans, if you're watching this, hit me up. I'll take bets. <laughs> um This is this yeah. gonna be dangerous when we get a little further down in this episode, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's enough Blazers for now. We can stop being mean to, to any Trailblazers fans at this point. Are we going down or are we going up? Where do you want to go? Second last team here. Uh I Let's just do Utah, man. I mean, they've been the talk of the offseason. Everybody has been talking about the trade that happened between the two last teams that we have here. Um, And Utah just kind of stripping it down to the studs, man. Honestly, though, like looking at their roster, I'm not even like too upset about it. It's a very competent, like rebuilding roster. They've got some decent young pieces like Laurie Markkinen, Vanderbilt, Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like, that's decent to start with. And, like, they've got, like, nine first round picks in three different drafts. Um, like, it's. They've got so many picks, man. They, they're just rebuilding at this point. Like, Utah has options. It's a simple yeah. fact of the matter. They have so many options. And we finally got to this point. You know, I was hoping that we could make this last as long as we could, because every week it seems like Utah might trade somebody else. So I was like, yeah, why talk about Utah yet? Because eventually their team is going to be different. And I mean, they still have the opportunity to trade more of their their top tier players, right? Like 
Conley could get you something on a team. Boyan could get you something on a team. Clarkson's definitely going to get you something on a team. So they have the possibility of tanking harder. But your comments of how they have a competent team is really interesting because, you know, we talked about Boston earlier and how they didn't truly bottom out. Like, Utah has enough picks where they don't need to gather a ton more. They could take this squad that they have here, work their young assets, and figure out where the rest of their guys can go. They're in a decent place. Yeah, but Minnesota would have to go the way of the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that's the thing. Or Cleveland. And I don't see that happening with either of those teams. Like, Cleveland's such a good young roster. They're going to be, like, back half of the first round 20s and later. Yeah. Like, all those picks. And then Minnesota, unless, like, something catastrophic happens to one of Gobert, Anthony Edwards, or Carl Anthony Towns. Like, again, you're looking at maybe teens at the best. So... Like, they've got a ton of picks. I would try to use those picks to get a disgruntled star, man. Like, I would try to go after Kevin Durant. Offer your, your three first-round picks next year and your three first-round picks in 2025. Offer them six first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Come on. And you got Kevin Durant on your team. Yeah. Um, but honestly, that's probably what Danny Age is thinking. Like, he's probably thinking that he's going to hoard these picks until he, a superstar becomes available and then, you know, do what he does and trade for them. Yeah. Um. Because at the end of the day, like, Colin Sexton, man, as the number one option on the Cleveland team, I think it was two years ago now? Yeah. He was a breakout player. I think he was an all-star. People were talking about Colin Sexton potentially being, you know, one of the better young and -and up-and-coming players. And then Darius Garland overtook him this year. But, hey, man, in Utah, you let him run wild. Um, Throw a little Stanley Johnson defense out there. Like, damn, you got yourself a team. Yes, sir. I think a lot of people forget that Colin Sexton was injured in in that, like, he kind of went on the back yes. and then you know dg did what he did and so i think Why people would you are, are, are really underestimating sexton i think that he's gonna do really well in utah and you know obviously we talk about stanley we love x raptor stanley poor guy is no longer a laker i think lakers you made a mistake he would have been great for you to continue to have but that's not the conversation we're having right now right we're talking about the utah jazz and their future but at this point it's kind of just there it's on hold we're all waiting to see if they're going to trade anything more if they don't, they're going to go into the season and they'll definitely be a part of something at the trade deadline. I would be amazed to see this team not do something else at this point. They've proven that they're willing to move on. And I mean, the comments that you heard about how, you know, when Danny Ainge got there, he was like, the team didn't really feel like he was together. It didn't really know what it wanted, you know, that kind of situation. Those are really interesting and really telling. And we can only know so much about, you know, the, the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert relationship but the fact that in recent interviews mitchell's been like oh i didn't i didn't want them to trade gobert like we were friends like yes in hindsight you could say whatever you want now that we are here what we are but it looks like maybe things weren't as bad but also were very bad in utah that's the thing like there's such conflicting stories dude they had a good roster like they had a good roster built around two pretty good all-stars and rudy gobert and donovan mitchell and actually just thinking about portland like having CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, like it's a similar idea in terms of where they were. Yeah. And Portland is is fighting that middling thing that we just talked about. And Utah's going in the opposite direction. They've decided, like, hey, we're gonna rip out these two guys who are, you know, decent players. It's almost like a light version in Colin Sexton and Laurie Markinen. And be worse, get some high draft picks yeah. and figure it out from here. Cause at the end of the day, like there's no point to hoping that you come eighth. There's zero, zero point to hoping that seventh place is in your cards. 
Like that is not not a good place to be as an NBA franchise. Either you're gunning for the number one seed or you're gunning for last place. That's how I feel if I were running a, a team. I'll say um, it until I'm blue in the face, fam. You're specifically thinking about it in the mindset of having a superstar and not having a superstar as well, right? Because the superstar enables you to be a contender. But if you're a superstar like Bro. Portland who is praying to get the 8th and 7th seed, that's not great. If you're a Cleveland Cavaliers team pre-Mitchell trade, praying to get the 8th and 7th seed, that's actually sick because you're a rebuilding team, right? I just wanted to clarify that, obviously. Um, yes, but yeah, 100%. Utah needs to figure it out. They, 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 they've they made the right decisions, and now they need to keep chugging along and not get stuck in purgatory like maybe OKC kind of is, and not keep rising but not falling enough. Like This middling point for NBA franchises is not proven to do well for anyone, so... Hopefully, you you know, the Jazz go in a good direction because, you know, I like their throwback jerseys, you know, and I am a fan of the Rocky Mountains, so I would love to see Utah be okay. Dude, the worst thing is, though, is you can get stuck in those things. Like, you know, theoretically, we all think Utah's trying to tank right now, but let's say Colin Sexton averages 24 points a game next year. Let's say Taylor Horton Tucker looks like, um, you know, more of that ceiling of what when he was a first-year player than he has the last mm-hmm. few years. And Laurie Markkinen is, is hitting big shots and is playing a great four role. You know, maybe this team is, you know, 10th or 9th. And I think, like, if you're a Utah Jazz fan, that's probably your biggest worry in the entire world is coming 9th, is trading Donovan Mitchell, trading Rudy Gobert, and then coming 9th. Because that is just the last place you want to be. It's a uh, yep. fade for Wembenyana time. They need a true star to add to this roster. And we can Not flip over Mignana. to T-Wolves. <laughs> yeah, I know Matt's always going to do that. But we can flip over to T-Wolves now. A team that did tank out. A team that did get multiple first-round picks. And looks like they're going to be the most relevant that they've been in a very long time. Maybe Kevin Garnett. Maybe even way before that when we're talking about relevancy. Because... Yeah, I on think so. Paper, yeah. On paper, much like the Jazz were in recent years, yeah. this team is going to show up this year and they're going to be relevant. And I personally think that they're fighting for a top four seed and for home court in the playoffs. And will that happen? Rudy Gobert likes to say that it will happen, but it'll be tough. Dude, this this roster is is really good. Um, I really like the fact that they added Austin Rivers um, as a bat, as like a backup point guard to D'Angelo Russell. Maybe you could even start for D'Angelo Russell at this point. D'Angelo Russell isn't isn't playing that kind of basketball anymore. Um, the fact that they got slow mo Kyle Anderson, I really like. Huge um, yeah, I, I think this team is is really solid and. As much as they win in the regular season and as good as they look in the regular season, let's say Ant takes a huge step forward and he looks like Michael Jordan even more than he does now. And, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is the best version that we've ever seen of Carl Anthony Towns. And Rudy Gobert is, is unbelievable. Until the playoffs come, man, like, count me as somebody who just doesn't really care what the Minnesota Timberwolves do all season um, until it actually matters. Because I think that they've got a great roster, man. On paper, they definitely have one of the 10 best rosters in the NBA. They have a, a championship-level roster when you think about all the pieces that they have in place. Like, if Anthony Edwards is truly that guy, if Carl Anthony Towns can really maintain his his peaks in the playoffs, and you know the way that we think about Carl Anthony Towns' offense complementing Rudy Gobert's defense and how they make up for each other's deficiencies and all that kind of stuff, they definitely have a championship caliber roster. I just don't know how it all works together, and I don't love this idea that you know like Pat and Gobert are going to form some super forward. 
It doesn't doesn't work for me. We have to see it on the court. The simple as that. We we have to see how it goes because you can have all these concepts, you can have all these ideas and ways that you want to play basketball. But there's the human element to it. These people are people. And so who knows how it will go. I think a fresh start for Rudy will be good. It'll be interesting to see how he finds strides in a new system because as far as we know, everything's been built around Rudy in Utah for the almost entirety of his career while he's been there as that huge towering presence. And while that will be similar, obviously the way that you know the Wolves play is a very different game, right? Will they be the three-point shooting monstrosity that Utah has seen? Like it's possible, right? Can Anthony Edwards be a shooter that way? That that's the question. There's there's so many different ways for this T Wolves roster to go, but if Towns can actually be, as he says he is, one of the best offensive players in NBA history, his words, not mine, they'll be good. But that is a bold statement, Cat. That's a bold statement. Man's been making a lot of bold statements <laughs> lately. Did you see the thing where the reporter asked him, "What do you expect from you and Anthony Edwards this season?" And he said. Shaq and Kobe level play that the NBA has never seen. Like, dude, yeah, dude. Um, we saw you in the playoffs last year. You weren't good. Like, I you mean, were one of those games. He was extreme. Like, when we talk about the play in, if, if we want to go back all the way before that series that the T Wolves probably should have won, let's talk about the play in where the first play in game, I'm pretty sure Cat did not show up. You know, he, he came back and gave like 11 six. points. Exactly, right? So, you know, Kat, we need to not see as many stinker games from you if you're only going to have as many opportunities as you've had in the playoffs. And, okay, we're in a new fresh start. We're wiping the slate clean. This is a new Minnesota Timberwolves because it's a new situation, but there's still a ton of old players and old tendencies that are going to exist in this squad. And if they can get over that hump and they can find their new rhythm and stay healthy and come together, top four seed. If they can't, Man, I'm looking at Gold State. I'm looking at Phoenix still even. You know, there's there's still too many teams in this Western Conference that they can't match up against. Well, I think that's the biggest issue, man. I think that they just can't match up, that they're they're just they don't have it in terms of the top tier teams. Um, I think the Clippers are ahead of them. I think Golden State's ahead of them. So all of that is going to be the reason that like it just matters what they do in the playoffs. They could be the number one seed going into the playoffs but unless they do anything in the playoffs i don't want to see it and it's as simple as that we we've we've gotten i think to the end of this northwest conversation here because yeah that's the wolves right now and that's also a bunch of these teams here you know we are simply just waiting fans are waiting players are waiting we're a few weeks out from training camp we're a few weeks out from preseason we're gonna take a week off next week so we don't have to think about it ourselves because we need a break as well, I'm also going to a wedding, so I'll be away. That's also part of the story. But, you know, when it comes to this Northwest division, there's a bunch of teams that are waiting, waiting for the next step to take. And will we see it? Time will tell. Yeah, no, it, it's, you know, on paper, it's great until I see it in real life. I, I can't, you know, I can't say anything until I see it in real life, my friend. But I think that's the Northwest Division, man. Um, I think it's going to be one of the like more middling divisions, probably mediocre at best. Um, they had three playoff teams last year, though, so hey, maybe they'll get uh, at most. They'll have two at most. I would be I'd be amazed to have three. We'd have to see some crazy things. But again, it's the NBA, right? Anything is possible. Anything can happen. We flip over to Raps chat. We'll find that there's really nothing to talk about this week. It's a quiet week. 
all around. You know, we got JV number of days until the season starts and we get to see Raptors start. And by season start, I mean preseason. Preseason. You know, we're still waiting for games, but... I mean, Bro. heck, the, the most exciting thing for me is is watching Scotty play 2K, literally on Twitch, because there's nothing else going on for the Raptors right now. At the end of the day, man, we're close to basketball, so that that's what really counts here. Like you said, that week off is going to get us there even faster. Um, so, hey, yeah, you know, we'll be talking about the Atlantic Division next time you see us, and, and hopefully basketball will be right around the corner. I cannot wait, my friend. Money. But- Let's move into some hot takes and predictions. A classic end to here. And hey, Matt, you might have to close your ears here because what I'm about to say might be blasphemy here. But I have faith in Damian Lillard, okay? I got faith in these Blazers. Just like I think a joke I made about a different team a few weeks ago, they're going to make the play-in. Whether they're going to win it is going to come down to Damian Lillard doing Damian Lillard things. But first-round exit, for sure, with this team. Bro, they ain't making the play-in. They ain't making the play, and I'll take that action right now. Um, here, I, I got a, a good spicy take for this one. I'm thinking SGA gets traded this season. I think that they go with Josh Giddy. I think that they embrace the tank a little bit more. I think Shea's too good for them to be a bottom feeder in the West. So they trade him. They give it to Josh Giddy, and hopefully the Raptors get him for OJ Ananobi in a first-round pick. I'm just going to throw that in just for a little bit of extra spice on there. Uh, hopefully it works out for our Raptors because that would be a great trade. I'd be Talk happy to lot. see it. And also, like you, you know, you look at SGA. Does he really want to sit out? You know, 20 more games. Does he really want to waste more of his career? Like, if he's if he plays a whole another season and sits out the last 15, 20 games of the season, he's probably missed almost a season's worth of games in his career, which is insane. So yeah, hopefully he gets traded and gets out of there so that it could be the best of both worlds for both teams. Yeah, definitely, man. I'd love to see him in a Raptors uniform, that's for sure. Absolutely. All right, well, I think that just about wraps it up here. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.